Please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your ministry. We acknowledge that we are dependent on you. Thank you for leading us to Jesus this morning without whom we can do nothing. We humble ourselves before you and we pray that you come and fan into flame the gifts that you've placed in us and a new spirit of prayer to be a people of prayer in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know many of you expected B.E. Palmer to preach this morning. At least this is what is written in your handout. And my sincerest apologies that you have to put up with me now. I, I was looking forward to hearing B.E. preach, actually. I haven't heard him preach. Um, but, you know, the book of Proverbs says that um, white hair is a sign of wisdom from the Lord. And um, I was really looking forward to that. Before I could have white hair, I lost mine. So I don't know what the Lord wanted to do with that. Anyway, we're in the series called Daniel and the sovereignty of God in challenging times. And today we're going to look at some principles of prayer that we can learn from Daniel in our time for our prayers today. We just read Daniel chapter 9 verses 1 through 19, a long prayer that Daniel himself recorded, apparently. And we didn't read the following verses, but as he was praying, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and interrupted his prayer and gave him this amazing prophecy of what God is about to do in the future. Now, I wondered at some point during my preparation, how did Daniel remember everything that he prayed and wrote it down in a book? But then I figured if I had the angel Gabriel visit me, and tell me that is a good prayer, this is what God is going to do, I would probably remember what I just prayed too. <laughs> so I'm grateful that we have this record of prayer because we, we can learn a lot of principles from Daniel this morning. And I asked myself the question too, how do we pray during a pandemic? How do we pray during challenging times? What are prayers that God is maybe inclined to hear, more likely to hear than, than other prayers? I mean, is it our eloquence? Is it the words we use? Is it theological correctness? Does God say, mm, I don't know if I fully agree with what you just said theologically. I'm not going to answer that prayer. Is it how emotional we are? I don't know if you come from certain cultures. There's a lot of tears, a lot of screaming involved in prayer. And then in other cultures, it's more silent, contemplative kind of prayer. What is the kind of prayer God, God is seeking at this time from his people? And so... I want to share with you three principles that we can extract from today's passage and then add one or two more principles from the New Testament, the New Covenant that we're in. So as a little introduction, I want to remind us just of, the, of Daniel's context, especially his political context. He, he starts the, the, the prayer by, by recording that he prayed in the first year of King Darius I. In other words, the Babylonian Empire had just collapsed and a new empire had come in, the Persians. And King Darius I was put in place as a king and ruler over the region where Daniel lived. So we have tremendous turmoil in the country. There is a huge shift happening right there. A lot of anxiety among the people. Maybe some of the Babylonians thought, oh my goodness, are we going to get killed by the Persians, by the new king? Maybe Daniel himself thought, who knows what my future is going to be in this new kingdom. And by the way, Daniel was already in his 
mid-70s when he prayed this. So he was not the youngest anymore, because as we remember, he was carried off into Babylonian captivity when, when he was a young child, and, and he was, um, six, for 66 years, he was in Babylonian captivity before uh, the empire collapsed and the Persians took over. So we know that he was 66 years old plus however old he was as a child when he was taken into captivity. So he was probably in his 70s. And I can only imagine how he must have processed and felt, maybe similar to some of us, of us here today who are experiencing similar tension in our countries. Now, we also have to remember that Daniel lived in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. So as we read his prayer, there's a lot of language about blessings and curses and Israel not fulfilling their, their duties and not living up to the law and God coming and eventually judging Israel for it. And so we have to, to, to always remind ourselves that what Daniel prays here is embedded in an Old Covenant theology. It doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. It's just that there are some things that are outdated now, but at the same time, there are principles that we see at work here that are still very, very valid. And these are some of the principles I want to focus on today. Now, as I said earlier, an angel appeared to Daniel immediately after this and announced to him that God is going to do something in the future that will put an end to transgression. And that God will make atonement for the sin of his people. And that God will usher in a kingdom and a righteousness that will last for eternity. In other words, Daniel had a vision of Jesus, the Son of God, coming, atoning on the cross for our sins, putting an end to transgression, breaking the hold of sin over the people of God, and ushering in a kingdom that lasts forever. So what Daniel saw in that vision in the future, is what we today look back on in the past. Let's keep that in mind as we move forward here. The first principle I want to point out is found in the first couple of verses where it says, Daniel perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Daniel was a man of the scriptures. And the scriptures made Daniel a man of faith. Daniel looked at the scrolls of the prophet Jeremiah, who had lived about 70 to 100 years before him. He looked at the scriptures, the word of God available to him at that time, and he saw the promises of God written in the word and he saw that Jeremiah had predicted the fall of Babylon and the restoration of Israel. Now, he most likely read Jeremiah chapter 25. We, we call it chapter 25 because some smart person a few hundred years ago put chapters and verses into the Bible so we can find it easier. Daniel did not have that. Okay, So he, in his quiet time reading in the morning maybe, he stumbled over this verse and he said, this is the word of God for this season. I'm going to... to connect this with my faith, and I'm going to use this as a platform to start praying and interceding by faith. I think this is excellent. Nothing has changed. We can still do the same. And I want to encourage us, as we are in challenging times, there's a virus out there, there's political tension. One empire might replace another empire politically or not. We don't know. But everybody is so 
anxious about everything that's happening at the moment, but here's a very easy principle, a simple principle. Let's go back to the Word of God. Let's take our stand on it and pray by faith, trusting in the promises and in the Word of God, just like Daniel did here. Daniel was a man who chose faith over fear. Very popular slogan at the moment, right? There are front yard signs out there in people's homes at the moment. Faith over fear. T-shirts, faith over fear. And yes, amen to that. Faith over fear. As long as faith does not mean denial. Daniel did not live in denial. He, he knew there is a real problem here. And yet, he did not give that problem an influence in his life that damaged his faith. But he chose faith over fear, but not denial. And so we are instructed and encouraged to do the same in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. So the first principle is faith based on the Word of God. The second principle we see at work here is a very strong attitude of humility. I'm fascinated by Daniel. He's the kind of leader I want to follow. If he was alive today, I would follow Daniel. <laughs> He's amazing. First of all, he put on sackcloth and ashes. I, I want you to picture this. Daniel was one of the most influential guys in the entire empire. He was a big, 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 big shot. He was probably wealthy. He had, he had anything he wanted. And he laid aside his glory, his beautiful outfits, and he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he humbled himself before the Lord. Does that remind you of somebody? When Jesus chose to become human, when he put on flesh and laid aside his glory, Daniel was somewhat of a historic, of a, of a foreshadowing of Jesus. And he came in full surrender to God. And, and he basically starts worshiping God and said, Ah, oh, Lord, you awesome and great God. What a great way to start praying, even at the moment and this time. Let us never forget that our God is a great and awesome and amazing and powerful and wonderful and loving God. And then Daniel not only put on sackcloth and ashes, he identified himself with the sin of his people. Now we have to remember that there's nothing recorded anywhere that would indicate that Daniel sinned in any way. Now I'm sure he had a bad day like all of us and he was not perfect, he was not Jesus, I get that, but he didn't, he didn't have any of those big, big faults like many of the other men and women of God in the Bible. We know of Daniel as a man of, of utter righteousness. God really, really liked him a lot. And he really, really liked God too. <laughs> and yet, he humbles himself and he says, Father, forgive us our sins. We have sinned. He actually, he uses the word um, we seven times and the word us eight times. He took full ownership of the sins of Israel. He, he identified with it himself. He said, we have sinned, Father. There was no blame shifting. Oh, Lord, those wicked kings of mine, those Israelites, king so-and-so and prophet so-and-so, oh, Lord, forgive them, Lord. None of that. You don't hear any of that. All you hear is forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. No self-pity either. Oh, poor me. I'm stuck here in Babylon because of all my stupid ancestors who sinned against you, Lord. Lord, redeem me, your righteous one on earth. I'm the only one left here, Lord. Help me. 66 years growing up in captivity in Babylon. My goodness. Smack Israel and bring us back into our country. None of that. 
No self-pity. Full identification with the sin of his people. Reminds me again of Jesus, the perfect son of God who stepped down into earth, got baptized in the Jordan River and identified as a sinner in a way, saying, I need the baptism of repentance because I want to fully identify myself with humanity. And then, of course, on the cross, he absorbed all our sins into his perfect, righteous body so that we can be freed from sin. This is the kind of leadership, this is the kind of attitude that I believe God wants to see in us, his people, in pandemic times. And when empires collapse and fall apart. And the third thing that I see Daniel doing here, and that's a bit connected to humility, is he is leaning on God's character. We see that towards the end of the prayer here, he says, Lord, hear my prayer, not because of anything that we've done, but simply because of, of your mercy, just because of who you are, just because of your character, God. You are the God of love. And just because of who you are, please hear my prayer. Simple, powerful, humble prayer. And I want to suggest that we keep praying like that today too. That we appeal to God and to his goodness and to his mercy as we deal with the challenges we have in our time. Now, as I pointed out in the beginning, Daniel had a limited vision of what was going to happen in the future. We now look back on 2,000 years of church history. We have the entire New Testament, and we can see how everything was fulfilled that Daniel saw in visions and in dreams and through angelic prophecies. But, but these principles haven't really changed. We still appeal to God's goodness and character, but now we can attach a name to it. The name of God's goodness is Jesus. The name of God's faithfulness is Jesus. The name of God's character is Jesus. He says, whoever looks at me, looks at the Father. Whoever sees me, sees God. We can appeal to the faithfulness of Jesus. When all of us would, would collapse, when all of us would stumble and fall, Jesus kept the course all the way to the cross and beyond. It is the faithfulness of Jesus on our behalf as a full human being that we can now appeal to and rely on. Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe. I just want to remind us of that. When we pray in the name of Jesus, it has an effect, it has an impact on our circumstances. And so we lean, Daniel pointed forward to that figure that he couldn't name yet, and we now, we lean, we lean backward, no, we stand on something that's 2,000 years old as we lean forward into the new, if that makes any sense, okay? We, we stand on a 2,000-year-old foundation forever firmly established in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ himself as we lean forward into the fullness of God's power and healing and restoration fully manifest here on earth. Jesus came to usher in a kingdom that is right now planted here on earth and that is yet to be completely fulfilled and manifested in the future. And we are in this funny in-between time where 
the kingdom is fully here, but not yet fully expressed. And so I want to encourage us as a new covenant principle to carry with us into prayer in this time is the, the prayer that Jesus instructed us to pray. And my one of my favorite lines in the prayer that he instructs us is, your kingdom come. This is what's, what our prayer is supposed to sound like at the moment. This is what our prayer is supposed to sound like during a pandemic or whatever else we might go through in life. We are playing a crucial role, by the way, in, in answer to this prayer, your kingdom come. Our job is not only to pray your kingdom come, but our job is also to release the kingdom through our lives into our context, into our circumstances. The kingdom of God is where Jesus is king. That's the kingdom, the king's domain. And those of us who are born again, those of us who have Jesus as king, we are the embodiment of the kingdom of God here on earth. And I believe what the devil really is after is to create a lid over us, to create blindness in front of us, and to bring us back into the prayer mode where all we do is beg and ask and beg and ask. As important as that is, we are in a covenant where the kingdom of God is already here. And so our job is not only to ask for something that has already come, our job is to take hold of what we have already been given and release it through our lives. In other words, God wants to answer our prayers through our own lives. I have a biblical example of that, so you know I'm not lying. In Matthew 9, 38, this very popular passage, Jesus ministers to people and there's an overwhelming amount of people that are just struggling and, and that need a helper. So Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Come on, guys, start praying for the Lord to send workers into his harvest. Have you heard that scripture before? Probably, most of you. John, Peter, James, disciples, come on, get up. Start praying for the Father to send laborers into the harvest. All right, Master, we will pray. Oh, Father, send, send laborers into the harvest. The very next verse, <laughs> you can look it up. The very next verse, Jesus looks at them and says, all right, go into the harvest. <laughs> I give you authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. Go and leave your peace in people's homes. They, they were just praying for laborers, and then they realized, oh, it's this funny dimension in the kingdom of God where we pray for something to come, and we are going to be an integral part. And I believe it's the same with, it is the same with the kingdom of God. We are the body of Christ on earth. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. If Daniel was to meet one of us, I believe he would be in awe, not, not in, in, in a worshipful awe, don't misunderstand me, but he, he would be honored, I believe, to meet one of us because of what he saw in the Spirit we would have access to through Jesus. That we would be called temples of the Holy Spirit. That we would be filled with the fullness of God and, and have the kingdom of God in our hearts. I think if Daniel would meet one of us, he would think, wow, that's amazing. And we are the opposite. We're thinking like, man, I want to hang out with Daniel. You know, our prayers are, oh, Lord, send revival. Oh, Lord, send revival to this land. Good prayer. You know what the Lord might say? All right. Go and be revival. 
John 7, 38, if you believe in Christ, as the scriptures say, streams of living water will flow from within you to the world. Streams of living water, streams of revival water, life-giving water, life. This country needs life. The people need life. The neighborhoods need life. We need to be a people that release life into the world in this hour. We need to speak life. We need to demonstrate life. Yes, let's pray for revival to come, but I'm convinced we're going to be part of the answer to that prayer. The way we speak, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we post on social media. Oh Lord, bring reconciliation. Turn the hearts back to one another. All right, I will. Go and reconcile. Go bring your relationships in order. You start doing the stuff that you asked me to do. Oh Lord, Lord, convict the evildoers. All those sinners out there, Lord, all the sinful stuff that's happening. Lord, bring conviction. All right. Why don't you go and invite your neighbors, the ones that you hate, over for a barbecue? Why don't you go and have a coffee with the person of the other party that you don't like? Why don't you go and lay down your life for them? Oh, maybe that's a bit too much. <laughs> But ultimately, that is the standard that we need to live up to. Jesus says, lay down your life for your enemies. Ooh. But see, if we as the people of God started implementing these kingdom values, we would start being part of the fulfillment of our own prayers. This is not the full picture. I'm not saying don't pray for these things. It's good to pray for all these things. I'm just saying... We need to remove this lid that's over us that limits us from becoming part of the answer to that prayer ourselves. I believe this is what it means to pray kingdom prayers at this time. We're going to have a, a day of prayer and fasting on the 30th of December. Uh, December. <laughs> well, maybe then too. Um, no, this month on Friday. And we want to invite you. You're going to receive some information to come and join. But we'll pray from 9 in the morning until 9 at night. And you can sign up to 30-minute slots and keep praying. And we will pray for our country, for our nation, for the elections, for all these things. And we will partner with the Holy Spirit to release His kingdom through us on that day. And at night, we will meet here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. for two hours to worship God and to pray together. And if you want to join, please sign up and let us know so that we can make plans. But this is such an exciting time for us to release the kingdom of God here on earth. I believe we were born for a time as this. Again, this is not to deny that there are real problems out there, but we have also real solutions. And I believe this is our time to shine the glory and the power and the kingdom of God into this world. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your eternal covenant established through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for his faithfulness that upholds this covenant. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that atones for our sins. Thank you for removing transgressions. Come this morning and search our hearts and help us put to death the things that are not part of your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying the weight of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying the coronavirus on the cross 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying anything that brings destruction, that brings death. Thank you that you've carried it 
on the cross. We celebrate that. We stand on that this morning as we lean into the future where you fully establish your rule here on earth. Let your kingdom come through our lives on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.